Amen. Uh, there's a word for this morning. I shall draw from uh, the book of uh, First Kings. The book of First Kings, the the seventh chapter. Um, and we're going to ask us to put a pen there in Nehemiah eight and five. And when he opened the book, all the people stood up. First Kings, the seventh chapter, and the um, uh, verses 45 and 46. And when you get time afterwards, you can read the entire chapter to get some kind of inkling and understanding of our message this morning. Put a pen there, and we're going to ask also that you might turn to the book of First John, the fourth chapter, reading verses... 9 and 10. Amen. Reading from the uh, St. James Version. And the pots and the shovels and the basins and all these vessels which Hiram made to King Solomon for the house of the Lord were of bright brass. In the plain of Jordan did the king cast them in the clay ground between Sukkoth and Azarthan. And for amplification, we would like you uh, to turn, uh, we shall read from our Amplified Bible, reading the pails, the shovels, and the bowls, all these utensils which Hiram made King Solomon in the house of the Lord were of polished brass. In the plain of Jordan River, the king cast them in the clay ground between Sakath and Zarthan. As we have our pen there, may we turn to the book of 1 John, the fourth chapter, reading that ninth and tenth verse. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world uh, that we might live. Somebody say, I'm going to live. Through him. Herein is love. Not that we love God, <clears throat> but that he loved us and he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. And I'm going to do that amplified version on that. By this, the love of God was displayed in us in that God has sent his one and only begotten son, the one who is truly unique that only one of his kind in the world. He sent him into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we love God so much, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation 
for our sin. That is the atoning sacrifice and the uh, sacrificing offering for our sin. That is fulfilling God's requirement for justice against sin and uh, that kind of uh, complicated and placated kind of wrath in which we placate God for ourselves. Now, brothers, brothers and sisters, if you're at home or you're right here in the house, I'm going to ask you to simply look around and tell somebody six or 12 feet away, get out the wasteland, get out the wasteland. and go to God's land to get to Christ's land. Amen. You may be seated in the house. Get out the wasteland. Go to God's land to get out, to get to Christ's land. Amen. My brothers and sisters, a definitive diagnosis and a uh, decisive depiction of the world today is best related as an overpopularized wasteland of vice, wickedness, murder, mayhem, uh, disorder, disruption, damage, and, and uh, radical, radically motivated chaos. Many people today, right now, many people are walking to the border of this country, the land of the free, the home of the brave not knowing that when they get to the border, uh, it's what comes after the border that should send them back home. It got quiet in here. Because in that same original sense, they have been dreaming of something that is unreal and unfortunate. And these circumstances uh, have been birthed by an unwarranted imagination. Well, some might say, Reb, why, why? Why would you say it's unwarranted? Why would you say that we're living in a wasteland? We have streets, we have roads. Why would you say that? Well, let me just simply back up and say uh, uh, the definition of a wasteland is a desolate, barren, ruined place and ravaged land that is that which is uncultivated, or any place or aspect or era of life considered humanistically, spiritually, and culturally barren and a hopeless and stagnant society. Well, I'm going to keep on going right now. Why? Why? Why would we say, why would we say that we're living in a wasteland? Why would you say that? Well, I'm going to open up your eyes right now and simply tell you. Let me just say, no prayer in schools. Some youth and young folk not familiar with the inside of a church. Our young folk don't even know what a pew means. Uh, some people could care less if the church is open or closed. That's evident because nobody's knocking down the doors outside saying, open up. I wonder, have I got two or three witnesses in the house right now and in this room now? If we really cared about how we really said we, uh, we're dreaming of a right place or uh, the right kind of place, some wouldn't care if the church doors were open or closed. They'd be here with masks on, socially distanced, 
keeping hearing a word from the Lord. In other words, we're living in a world that Isaiah has said when he says, and he says it very profoundly, woe is me for I am undone because I am a, a man of unclean lips and I dwell amidst a people of unclean lips. That, that, that's Isaiah. Then Isaiah himself best describes the human plight and the human situation. And this morning, our text adds credence and significance to the fact that uh, of the matter that we're living. Do, do you believe that this morning? I believe some of you of us might believe that in the house right now. We're living in a overpopularized or overpopulated wasteland. Now, this is Black History Month. This is Black History Month. And this nation is portrayed as a land of plenty. This nation is a nation where liberty abides and we have that liberty and we have that kind of rulage and, uh, <clears throat> and freedom is said in the order of the day. But with all the freedoms, my brothers and sisters, all the liberties and all the riches displayed by a nation, there still lies and lingers a vacuum and a void. For strangely enough, in this land of plenty, we need something, my brothers and sisters, that's greater than plenty. Uh, black folks, even those black history, black folks are living better than they've ever lived before. They, uh, we, 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 we brag even about, we, we've gone from a horse and a buggy to a two, three, four, and five car garage. And some of us have compounds, some of us have bought islands, and we're standing, and we're still standing in the need of something that's greater than housing automobiles. Uh, you ought to tap my shoulder if I'm doing a little something right now. We, we, we brag about our material things, and, uh, but I want to tell you, as I go before I leave here today, that junkyards have material things also. Because my Bible says, for, for what shall it profit a man? That means woman also, if he or she shall gain the world and lose his or her soul. Or what shall a man or woman give in exchange for his soul? Personally, so many times, uh, can I just talk to you about what I'm talking to you about? Sometimes we, we, we seek and strive for the, for the gold of this world without realizing that the gold doesn't come from ourselves. The real gold comes from our souls. So many of us today, so many of us that don't have a gold problem. We have cash in our pockets. We can rub together a few coins in our pockets. We don't have a gold problem, but we have a soul problem. Something has gone wrong, let me tell you, in this country, something has gone wrong when the society that we're living in, where the, the, the Dow Jones industrial average receives more attention than the average soul in need. I want you to digest that just for a minute. Today, we, we become so coarse. We're coarse. We're, we're hard. We just don't care about nothing. I don't care about this. We're indifferent. And we become humanistically, spiritually, and culturally barren, standing on the precipice of helplessness, chaos, confusion, and decay. We have become unusable and unserviceable to mankind. And let me just say, metaphorically speaking, we have become a wasteland of no purpose, 
no value, no worth, no restoration, and no, hopefully, it has to be redemption, but I'm not going to go that far. So, in, 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 so we see in our text, as you open up in your Bible, our textual word for this morning, uh, we have the self-same situation. We have Solomon, who's the greatest kings, one of the greatest kings of biblical writings and the Septuagint uh, translations, that is the, the traditional 70 or 72 translators of the Hebrew scriptures into Greek. The king was confronted with using that which was unusable. And it was on the edge of the king's kingdom between Sakkar and Zarthan. So King Solomon, <clears throat> what he done, he had so masterfully added to the production of his vineyards, as you see in that chapter, of his grain fields, of his forests. These achievements were great and were detailed accounts of his building of the temple. And no account was more admirable to King Solomon until he brought production from a wasteland that's on the edge of his kingdom to the mainland of his kingdom. That is, he mined the worthless clay pits between Sakaar and Zarthan. Originally, it was a wasteland that had no purpose, had no value, except to be what it was. It was just a clay ground, flat ground. Well, just as King Solomon redeemed a wasteland, so much, so must we, uh, between us, restore our own redeemed life from its hardened and different, different edges. The things that so desperately, that is, the things that so desperately maim, kill, uh, annihilate and destroy us, then recognizing this place, uh, as we recognize this place, there become three ways in which we can triumph and overcome and get out the wasteland to get to Christ's land. What are they, Reverend? Three. The, the, firstly, uh, we can get out the wasteland when we recognize a symbolic similarity of being clay ground in the plain of joy. Got quiet in the house. You got quiet in, well, what are you saying, Reverend? In other words, in other words, my brothers and sisters, if you look at yourself, if you look at all of us, I want to just simply, we are just a handful of dust. Genesis is replete in verses uh, regarding dust. You ought to look it up we, we, right at your home. You can look it up in Genesis. Genesis 3.19 says, in the, in the sweat of thy face thou shalt eat bread until thou return unto the ground, for out of this hast thou taken from dust thou art, to dust thou shalt return. Genesis 2 and 7, it says, and the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Genesis 3 and 14 says, And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shall thou go, and dust thou shalt eat all the days of thy life. I'm, gonna stop. I'm not going to stop there. Genesis 28, 14 says, And thy seed 
shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad from the west to the east to the north to the south, and in thee shalt thou seed, and all of the families all be blessed. And I'm just going over here, and I'm going to touch on, uh, 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 I'm going to touch where it says, go, all go unto one place. All are of the dust and all return to the dust again. Ecclesiastes 3 and 20. But Job, but Job puts the cap on it when he says in 35 and 15, 34 and 15, he says, all flesh shall perish together and man shall turn again unto dust. Well, where, where, I'm going, where are you going with this? Where are you going with this? You're probably saying, where, where, where are you going with this? Where are you going with this? Well, I, 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 let me tell you, I'm going to just say it like this. You and I, we can clean up, we might dress up, some of us are dressed up this morning, we might groom up, but before you lay down tonight, we're, we're just, you're going to find out that we're just, just before you say the prayer tonight, you're going to find out we, we're just a small box and a handful of ashes and a handful of dust. Dr. D.E. King of uh, <clears throat> Monumental Church, he wrote a book entitled Christ's Use of Unusables, stated that uh, the only difference between you and God is the dirt element. For God formed a human structure. He shaped it motionless, uh, lifeless, unknowing, and unfeeling until God breathed, and, and that's when dirt start making a difference. For, 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 for God, for God's breath of life gave luster to uh, the dirt and added to us an, a new dimension. I wonder, have I got a few folk that can say amen on where I'm going today? That's why, that's why I got to say before I go to my seat, we ought to be glad this morning that, that God did make us somewhere between heaven and earth. God mixed deity and dust together. Uh, uh, put blood, bones, put flesh, hands, put arms, legs, put elbows and feet, put shoulders. I want to have a God put shoulders and ribs. Then he put a little love in it, put a little image in it, put a little mind in it, put a little heart in it, put a little character in it, put a little knowledge in it, put a little strength in it, and then put a great big breath of life in it and put motion to work. That's why I'm glad this morning that God didn't consider us where he did consider us when he made earth, ashes, and dust, and he put us to motion. Then secondly, in order to get out the wasteland and get to God's land, we have to metaphorically and symbolically be tested and challenged by that same clay ground. In other words, my brothers and sisters, uh, uh, there's going to be some uneasiness. There's going to be anxiety. There's an uncomfortableness and awkwardness involved. So sometimes clay ground, if you know clay ground, if you deal with clay, sometimes clay has to be broken up. It was the King Solomon's purpose for the clay ground to be developed. So he developed the pits to be melt and make 
and mold the furnishings of the temple. Just like the foundry process. And back in the 50s, we had foundries all over in this part of the country. But just, and we know, if those of us who know foundries, just like the foundry process, sometimes we have to be melted, molded, and mixed together in order for God to effectively use us. Haven't you noticed God's dealing with us? When we are experiencing a bit of trouble and distress and that we've been experiencing for a whole year during this pandemic, we are stressed and we're uh, experiencing a bit of trouble. Sometimes that's God just trying to start molding us and, and making us. I want to have, I got two or three witnesses in the house and at home right now. It, 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 it's so many times it's just God's way of letting us know that God is still in charge. When I open for the streaming, you've noticed when I open the, the streaming live program on some Sundays, I do this in remembrance of my own father's brother, my uncle <clears throat> W.J. Calvin. He used to open up as he would stand at this restroom at this pulpit. He, he would simply come in to celebrate on our father's and family's uh, anniversaries. He'd come in to just simply, and I was the He'd always come and he'd always set uh, the atmosphere when he'd use that hymnologist that says spirit of the living God. I wonder if I got two or three witnesses of it. Spirit of the living God <clears throat> fall afresh on us. Spirit of the living God fall afresh on us. And then he didn't stop there. He would say break me melt me Mold me. I want to have, I got three or four witnesses out there. Uh, fix me. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Sometimes he would pull up that hymn that said, Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will. While I'm waiting, yielded him still. You know, God didn't tell us, as dad says all the time, God didn't tell us to be intelligent. He didn't tell us to be rich. He didn't tell us to be famous. But he said, be faithful. Be faithful in persecution. Be faithful in sickness. Be faithful in sorrow. Be faithful in grief. Be faithful in misfortune. Be faithful in rejection. Be faithful in loss. Be faithful in poverty. Be faithful in failure. And be faithful in success. And if we are faithful, that's then God will get us out of the wasteland and get us into God's land. But I'm not done. I'm almost ready to close. When we get out of the wasteland and get in God's land, thirdly and lastly, we will get to Christ's land. Take out your pen and get that last part of the scripture when it says herein is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sin. Well, propitiation is a big word, but it brings us great satisfaction. In other words, my life, my life, and your life 
doesn't end on the plane of John. My life and your life begins on Christ's solid ground. For I can say on Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground, all other ground, all other ground is sinking sand. I don't know about you, but that was that conversation that Jesus had with Nicodemus one night. He came at the end of the night. Jesus got a visitor. He was a member of the ruling council. He came to Jesus by night because he was fearful of going to Jesus in the daytime. When he came to Jesus, he said, Rabbi, a lot of people know who you are. He said, because they know you are a first class teacher who comes from God because no other person or man can do these miracles except God be with you well uh, Nicodemus recognized that he needed to get out the wasteland and get to Christland and he said unless that's what Jesus says unless you are born again you can't get here. Nicodemus said, well, do I start contacting my mother? And do I go back nine months and then come nine months later and be born again? No, Jesus said, no, 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 you don't do this. In order to get where I am, you must be born of the water and of the spirit. For flesh is flesh. Spirit is spirit. I'm not trying to surprise you, but you must be got to be gotta be born again. My brothers and sisters, my mama and daddy can put human life together, but when we get to Christ's land, he's gonna put some water and some spirit and some flesh, but more spirit together. When we get to Christ's land, Nicodemus found out that when we get to Christ's land, you're going to have a brand new life. Brand new life. So in Christ's land, the weak become strong, the ugly become beautiful, the poor become rich, the sick become healthy, the worst become the best, the first becomes the last, and the last becomes the first.
the doors of the church are open. 